hello, hello. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. With me, as always, my co-host, co-reviewer, co-friend, Kirk. Hello, hello. Welcome, Kirk. I'm your other co-host, Cam. Uh, This is our movie review episode. We do two episodes a week. One is our What's Poppin' movie and TV news. You can catch that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, everywhere. Uh, You can also catch it Monday nights at 9.30 Central on the stream on either Facebook, Twitch, or YouTube. You can follow us all those places. Uh, Actually, every single one of those places has either a like button, a subscribe button, a follow button, something. Uh, If it doesn't do you too much trouble to hit that, we would be forever for forever yeah for everything ev- for everything for everywhere for all at once is what I, I guess what I was trying to say uh, mm-hmm. we would be forever grateful for that uh, and I, I did just sort of tease the film that we're reviewing this week which is indie film sensation everything everywhere all at once um, and I'm excited about this Kirk because of so many reasons first of all we don't really get that many chances to review uh, indie films because I think, you know, our promise is always like we will try to review whatever the biggest movie is at the time. But, you know, at times there, there's so much going on that you just can't choose just one. And so you have to, you have to take matters into your own hands and find something that you want to talk about that people want to hear about. And for whatever reason, this time the stars aligned on this film. Yeah, this movie is buzzing. It is buzzing. It is popping itself. We're just continuing the what's popping episode. Just like merge these into one, ladies and gents. This movie has everything. It takes place everywhere. And it is all at once. I mean, there is no better description. I know Cam's going to synopse this for you tonight. And he's not going to come anywhere near closer than the title provides it i'm sorry cam it's just not gonna happen you're probably right no i think that's i think that's fair but yeah so this movie really if 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 it is for some reason your first time hearing about it i would say um you might be in the minority at this point because this movie uh you know if you follow film and if you follow follow movies this is the one movie consistently that i've seen talked about pretty much nonstop since its release which was about you know wide release was about a week ago at this point and um it's just buzzy as all get out. And so we had to see what the hype was about. I mean, it, it like kept extending its release, like the number of theaters because it was so in demand. I've never really seen anything quite like it from an indie film, particularly in like April, right. <laughs> you know, like you, you usually get these films toward the end of the year. They're, 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 you know, running through the awards circuit. They're hitting all the big festivals. They're scooping up wins. And all of a sudden this generates all this demand. Well, we're fresh off award season. We're we're you know we're back to square one. And April, you know, the March, April, February even window is such a dead zone for film. Um, but this one, for whatever reason, is already getting so much buzz and is already getting like Oscar buzz and and everything. So we just had to get our our hands on it. Had to get a, a look at it. Um, thanks to the demand for this film, it was available at our local theater. So we had to go check it out and now we're going to review it so if you're new to the program thank you so much for being here the way that we do this we will start by giving a brief synopsis of the film followed by a spoiler full review of the film so if you haven't seen the movie you will likely hear things that could spoil the films some films are more spoiler able than others some 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 films you can't really spoil so and some people like spoilers some people like to know what to expect so whatever suits your fancy just don't want you to get caught by surprise but i'm going to give a brief synopsis then we're going to talk about the acting performances the production and then we'll give our final scores on everything everywhere all at once all right so for the synopsis i will kick us off uh this film i've said the title a couple times it's everything everywhere all at once Um, I think it's funny. It's called a film from Daniels because it's co-directed and co-written by two people with the first name, Daniel, (laughs) Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. So, um, that's pretty funny. When I first saw that, I was like, Daniels, who, who is this person? Lee Daniels? Uh, You know, I was like, what's going on? Um, but no, it's, it's just from two, two friends, two guys named Daniels. And this movie, 
has a really modest start to it in the sense that it's just you've got Michelle Yeoh. She's playing her character, Evelyn, who is, you know, in her middle ages. She's got a near, you know, she's got an adult daughter. She's got a husband and and a relationship that's sort of stagnant. She lives above her business, family-owned business, which is a laundromat. And frankly, she's just trying to get her taxes paid and trying to avoid uh, the IRS and all of the things that come along with that. So very relatable. Um, sure, tons of people are feeling that. Maybe that's the reason this movie came out in April because it's it's right around tax season and people can relate to it. But what happens as she is sort of walking through, going through the motions, this mundane uh, life of hers and all of the different things that are going on that are stressing her out between her father coming in town, her husband filing for divorce, her daughter uh, and and her relationship kind of uh, straining the business, the taxes, between all these things. When she goes to the tax office, she gets an unlikely encounter from her husband who appears to have transformed into a different version of himself. And he basically gives a Terminator like, come with me if you want to live type of thing. He's like, you have two options. You can either keep going through your normal life and do this, or you can do these ridiculous things and come with me and I will open up this other world. And the world that he opens up is this thing uh, called verse jumping, where you can do things that you yourself would never do and uh, be able to tap into different multiverse versions of yourself and harness their skills and be able to use that to help you in your situation. So it unfolds into this massive thing where her and her daughter are sort of the center of the universe. Her daughter is this version of herself that is, you know, just she's seen everything everywhere all at once and she is has lost it. You know, she's lost her control on the earth and, and so they become kind of enemies for lack of a better term and and the whole thing sort of hinges around their relationship and her life and all of these different things and it's extremely full of themes and and different subplots and and different universes it's just absolute pandemonium um, but we're going to get into it and, and talk about if this movie lives up to the major hype that it has gotten so far all right, and we will start, as we always do, with our acting performances. The first one goes to the best actor in the film. So this award is called And the Oscar Goes To. And for me, I'm giving my Oscar to our leading lady, Evelyn, played by Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh has been in the biz for a long time. She's done a ton of huge things from massive blockbusters to television um, to smaller films. I mean, she's, she's really seen it all. And in this performance, she plays Evelyn. And what I love about this performance so much is just how, like, very simply, um, and, and honestly, what you have to do as a leading person is just very simply responding to the circumstances that you are placed in as an actor. She does it so effortlessly and gives such a genuine and believable performance as Evelyn to where, at the beginning, you can tell, like, there, there's such a personable connection to be like, she is fed up. I've seen that look on people's faces before. I've seen that look on my face before when you are just overwhelmed, totally at the end of your rope, can't handle it, but you feel like you're stuck in a rut, you can't get out, and then she gets vaulted into this, you know, she goes from that, which is like the worst of the worst, like almost worse than like rock bottom, it's like just this middle content terribleness, blandness that can happen in your life, uh, staleness, I guess, if you will. And then she gets vaulted into this other world of multiverses and different versions of herself and different abilities and worlds with hot dog fingers and worlds where people are just rocks and like, all of these different things. And the way that she responds to her environment throughout is just pitch perfect. At no point does she overreact or underreact to anything that's happening. And I find that so impressive because she's like, it's a very demanding role and she's being thrown into all sorts of environments and being able to keep your character consistent throughout, but also growing your character at a steady pace. It's a, it's really pretty masterful what she does. And I would say like of all the things in this movie, the first thing you think about is not the acting performances, but Michelle Yeoh is excellent. I mean, truly, truly, really, really well done performance and a well-built character. And it's clear that 
she worked really hard at it and delivered an awesome performance. So just a pro's pro. She's been doing it. Uh, she'll continue to do it. Michelle Yeoh as Evelyn, my Oscar. It's such a simple decision because it is also my choice, Michelle Yeoh, for the Oscar goes to. I mean, you have got an all-star cast here, but none would be complete without her. In fact, when Daniels wrote this, the directors actually wrote this script as well, they actually had Jackie Chan in mind for the lead role. As they continued to develop it, they decided, you know, that key relationship, this really would work better with a husband and wife, but really as the wife, as the verse jumper, as the pinnacle of all of this, uh, and the and the mother-daughter relationship, and then the battle that that just like rumbles beneath at a constant steady pace uh, throughout life right there. Uh, you, you, you hit it spot on where you have her in this mild manner, just like taking the punches, letting them land on her cheek and just reacting to them. Uh, she, she just goes about her, her everyday life trying to make the best decisions with the information she's given. So when she does face these crazy outlandish worlds and then all of a sudden uh, the verse jumping, uh, pulling in from different multiverses while uh, battling, there's lots of battles because the stakes are high uh, in order to defeat the all-power Evelyn in order for uh, her daughter to take over or the evil monster version of her daughter to take over. There's all sorts of these insane things, uh, changing of weapons, changing of fight styles, uh, trying to verse jump to tap into that kind of like downloading something from the matrix. And she's just like, okay, all right, I see what you're doing here. Well, I guess I'm going to react this way. And then she figures it out and watching Michelle Yeoh, do that on screen with such little time and the buy-in as an audience that we have to have that never falters at no point was I was I looking at her like you know that particular choice for the 400th time that she's had to change her mind was not really quite on par no I mean the amount of time and work that went into this film and her character study absolutely phenomenal i've never seen her quite so good and i kid you not i don't know here in april who's going to beat her next february for the best actress award for the uh, the academy awards it's going to be really really difficult in such a unique role such a unique movie that i think will completely and has already changed the scope of storytelling i just don't know who can beat her oscar michelle yo bravo yeah, it's a good thing to bring up. Uh, you know, the, it sounds preposterous because the Academy Awards are so far away, but but one of the things that gets taken into account or should get taken into account um, with the Academy Awards and with any award is level of difficulty, right? I, I really do. I've always felt that way. I remember when I was in marching band back in high school, I would get frustrated if a if a group won because they had an easier book and played it to perfection. I always think that level of difficulty should get factored in. And I honestly cannot imagine a more difficult performance. Sure. You know, she's not having to do an accent or, or wear heavy prosthetics or anything like that, but to be able to react to everything that is being thrown at you in this movie. And it is constant and it is dynamic. And, and from scene to scene, you're doing vastly different things. I just don't know that there's ever been that any actors ever been asked to do what she was asked to do. And, and I don't know that anybody can handle it as well as she did. Honestly, it's, it's pretty remarkable stuff. There's like three or four moments where we get like these montages where we see a flood of all the different multiverses. You've got like a full, just like dead center uh, camera right on her face. And you, they're just cycling. They're changing out her, her costume and her hairstyle uh not really with her makeup very much at all but the background where she's located that is just like flooding and flipping and you're like what am i experiencing (laughs) right now it's it's really quite incredible yeah it's good stuff uh good call michelle yo uh well deserved all right so now let's move on to scene stealer this movie had a really a really interesting cast of characters and a great cast to fill it out and and it really, it was well casted, I think, overall, I will just say. Um, but I'm giving my scene stealer 
Uh, so my best, you know, under the radar or, or unsung performance to Stephanie Shu, who plays Joy, who is simultaneously Evelyn's daughter in the real world and the ultimate antagonist to the multiverse and threat to the multiverse uh, at the same time. This different version of herself is the threat that she is called on to eliminate, you know, because she's the only one who can because she's her mother. And that duality of performance is so eloquently and beautifully balanced uh, by Stephanie Hsu. I just thought it was so seamless how she was able to flip back and forth between being a very believable adult child having very real conversations with her mother and and just like, I can't remember the last time that I saw an on-screen relationship that felt as believable as those, those two and the way that they played off of each other. It was really spectacular. I think it was good direction combined with good writing combined with good acting, which is exactly what you want. But then also to, you know, lean into this insane uh, villain character that she was cast as who has all, you know, has the entire multiverse at her fingertips and is able to unlock all these different abilities and use all these different tools. And, um, you know, her, her main plot is that she took everything that there ever was and put it into a giant everything bagel. And it's like this black hole that if you look into, you lose your mind. Uh, it's, it's absolutely outrageous in every possible way. Um, and she, you know, similar, it's similar to Michelle Yeoh, and I hate to be a broken record about this, but with a different performance, you know, she really does achieve that same level of awareness and okayness and, and mesh and combination with the environment in which she's in. And I think that the scenes, the scenes with her and her mother in the core timeline, the main world are some of the most impactful in the entire movie. And, and really, um, when you get to the end and they have their moment where, you know, Evelyn is, or, uh, joy is kind of, you know, slipping through Evelyn's fingers and she could feel it. And joy just feels like she, she has tried everything and just totally exasperated and there's nothing left. Um, that scene, just whether you're a parent or not a parent, I mean, I'm obviously not a parent of adult children yet, but like, wow, really like fireworks, the emotional punch is so gut busting. It just breaks you down um, in ways that it's not common with film. So I, I was, I was very pleasantly surprised. And I think that the dynamic between those two is, is the main reason that this movie works as well as it does because with as much as being as which as with as much as is being thrown at them it, it it would fall apart if they weren't able to keep it intact um and they do such a marvelous job of it so stephanie Hsu, along with uh michelle yo evelyn and joy excellent uh tandem there i'm glad you said marvelous that she does a marvelous job because uh, Stephanie is also late in the game added to the marvelous Miss Maisel cast. Yes, right. She plays the the new love interest uh, of uh, of Midge's uh, beloved ex husband, husband, ex husband again. And I want to say very, very bluntly that she's not very good in that role. So mm. when I saw the cast list for this. I said, hold on. She looks really familiar. Ran through her IMDb log and I said, no, this, there's no way. I do not like her. I'm very upset about this. How is this movie getting so much buzz? I really did. I went through a long, a long um, tangent on that. So when I, when I first saw her on screen, I did not even recognize her. I completely forgot that she was the same actress in Miss Maisel. And I'm like, when's that girl going to show up? <laughs> and then halfway through, I'm like, hold on, it's her. So which just tells me that character just wasn't written properly right. in the other show, which is a great show. So um, Stephanie is not my choice, but I just want to, first and foremost, if anyone else is having reactions and hesitations toward this movie of like, yeah, I really want to see this. I didn't really, you know, that's not my jam, uh, her in that role. This will settle the score and show you that she is fantastic. Now, my 
scene stealer goes <laughs> the anticipation. to. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make sure there was a clear audio separation there. Um, my my scene stealer is going to go to, and I don't know if I'm going to pronounce his name right. It's a shame, and I am embarrassed that I that I haven't prepared for this um, when I've been, um, when some of the, the greatest roles ever have been played by this wonderful gent. His name is Ki Hu Kwan. That sound right? Yeah, Ki Hui Kwan. Yep. Hui. So close. Ki Hui Kwan. He is short round in uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. He is data in The Goonies, two of maybe the greatest movies ever made. I mean, uh, Temple of Doom gave us the PG-13 rating that we know and love today. (laughs) Yep. And The Goonies is, if you haven't seen The Goonies, you need to stop what you're doing and go watch it right now. This is the same actor, same actor. It's incredible. I was blinded by any sort of remembrance of, of who he is. And of course he was, you know, 12 when he did those movies or less. And seeing him as a grown man uh, taking on the role of, of Waymond and being this this goofy, silly, preposterous husband, thinking that m- there might be something actually like a like a mental uh, ailment or uh, just because he's so out there and then seeing him change from from different jump points and verse jumps to from his multiverses to to taking care of his wife and expressing how he wants a divorce in one version of himself, which makes no sense for the type of person that he is. But it does it does play out and make sense as it goes along because he's just he's not not a bad person, but he's just really out there and he doesn't know how to make things work. But then in other universes, he is so focused on being such a a better version of himself and and while there's not anything wrong with the silly version of himself there are flaws in the other part of him and then when you go to the other multiverses and you see wow he's assertive he's great well then there's flaws in that too which then just plays into the the overall theme of no one is perfect no matter what you're trying or working at no matter what aspect of your life that you're going for there's always something that can be better and that's okay it's just all about how can you treat others while you're trying to figure it out without consuming someone else or or drawing energy from them or or bringing them down there's just so much goodness that comes out of Kihui Kwan's role that we can see that you initially uh, just fall in love with him immediately then you hate him as soon as you're like wait why is this goof divorcing your girl Michelle yo <laughs> And then it all comes it all comes full circle by the by the end of this thing, uh, because there's so much happening. One would say everything is happening everywhere and all at once. (laughs) Sorry, I just had to. And I I just can't fathom a more perfect cast, especially between Michelle Yeoh and Kihui Kwan for for their balance in this, in these worlds, in these universes, because while, uh, while joy and Evelyn's relationship is critical to the whole thing, it has to work. So is, uh, Waymond and Evelyn, because he is the other point in that triangle. Those three have to work. If they don't, the story falls apart. So bravo to all involved. Yeah. Shout out to Keith, Keith, we Quan, um, 20 years without a major acting performance after performing to your point, some of the most iconic roles in the history of cinema in short round and data. I mean, and, and just, he just waltzes it. into this and he's like, Hey, how about one more? Yeah. And, <laughs> like, and, and, and I don't know if it was like by choice or, or what his circumstances are with regard to not being in a major motion picture recently, but like, if it was for some reason that he just couldn't land a role, I feel like that has to be put to rest because he definitely can bring it and, and did some really fun, awesome things in this movie that I think are applicable to a lot of the stuff that comes out now. I like to think that he went away and has just been meditating, um, preparing for this role that the Daniels have brought to him. Like Yoda. Uh, Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Went into exile after, uh, after the Goonies and was like, you know what? Now is the time to return. <laughs> this is yes, it. and the Daniels flew their X-wing in. <laughs> they <laughs> picked Dagobah. him up off of Dagobah, and they <laughs> they rolled him at, rolled him back. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, like 
I mean, he's certainly talented. So that can be, you know, any any notion that he's, you know, not able to hang in Hollywood, I think can be can be put to rest safely after after this one. So Yeah. yeah. I mean, easy best best supporting actor role right there. Easy, hands down. Yeah, let's move on to the production and talk about this movie. We're going to start with Showstopper and the, and the thing that we liked most about the movie. For me, the thing that really stole the show was the approachability and accessibility of the themes in this film. And so what I mean by that is that none of the themes in this movie were new. You know, they're, they're, these are themes that we have seen before. The idea that like the idea of the human experience and that, you know, nothing matters. This is a theme that I love in film and I don't know that it's ever been more beautifully spoken um, than it has been in this film, which is nothing matters except what matters. You know, that I think that's, that's the, the, the core theme of this movie. And there are themes about accepting yourself, loving yourself, um, you know, not what ifing your life away, not, um, you know, loving the little things, all, all of these great human themes about the human experience. But the difference is so often we see indie movies um, lauded or, or art house movies lauded for delivering these themes in a certain way. But this is the first time that I've ever seen these themes delivered in such an approachable and accessible way to where anybody, regardless of their love for film or knowledge of film or or being able to, to take a literary, literary analysis approach to film and going, okay, they're telling this theme in this way and here's how they unlock it with stuff that's going on here and here and here and you don't have to unpeel it. It's just there and it's beautiful and it's not convoluted. It's, it's just there in such a way presented that anybody can sit there and go, oh my gosh. I get what they're saying, and and this makes sense to me because I think so often in in film, um, there's a certain level of, um, and this isn't across all of the arts. There's a certain level of toxic pretentiousness that can happen in arts, and that certainly happens in film, where people in the film community feel like their stuff has to be um, only understood by a select few you know it has to be like oh if you if you get what i'm saying here then you're worthy of the information and there's so many directors and writers up there and and, you know some of these people i've lauded their work because i'm i've understood what they're trying to do but there's so many people who have (laughs) their head so far up their own butt you know they they love themselves so much and they're so in love with the you know, the art behind the idea that they're presenting, that they don't care much about the end experience. They care more about how they want to deliver this piece of art rather than saying, this is a human story and a human theme that is valuable to people and we're going to present it in a way that's different that unlocks it for other people and makes it more accessible. And that's exactly what um, the Daniels have done here with this film. And it, it was such a such a great moment. I mean, this movie is engaging throughout. I mean, ultra engaging, in fact, to the point where like, as soon as stuff starts to happen, you're like, whoa. And I think what's funny is that like, they almost lull you into thinking it's going to be another one of those films with the way that this starts. You're like, oh, it's going to be one of these like long movies, portrait pick of just like Evelyn's life. And and in the end, she's going to find out that, you know, like, it's okay. What she has is fine and everything, but it's going to be unsaid and unspoken. And, and you, you really do start to think that that's what's going to happen. And then you get smashed in the face with the most epic left hook that you never saw coming. And it's just all gas, no breaks for the rest of the time. And guess what? The effect is just as good, if not better, by making these themes more accessible than it would be if they veiled them behind all sorts of liter- literary tools and um, you know, film uh, devices and storytelling devices and things like that. I mean, it's just really a good job. Uh, I was, I when I left, I go, you know, there's nothing in this movie that's necessarily a new theme, a new thematic concept, and yet these themes hit me in such a more impactful way. And so I really started to dwell on like. Why is that? And, and that's what I've sort of come up with is that the, they delivered it in a way that was accessible 
and relatable. And they thought about the humans out there who will be watching this and how they could connect with them on a human level for, with something that everyone understands. So it's masterful and I loved it. It is. It is masterful. It is masterful. That framing of nothing matters uh, when they, when they put it right in front of your face as like this devastating ultimatum. Uh, and then later on they reveal nothing matters also as a, um, as a who cares mentality, like uh-huh. a go after it and, and let yourself have it mentality. I just thought that that was brilliant because you, you had this moment where you had Michelle Yeoh who's like, mm, she's going to, she's going to turn into exactly what joy was. And that's exactly what joy wanted her to feel. She wanted her to feel exactly how she saw things. And then she sees it. She's standing there with her and she says, no, no, we're looking at this from the wrong angle. Here we go. And then it, it just turns on its head and they just keep, keep going forward and keep pushing forward to, uh, to kind of find this more uh, blissful um, understanding of it all. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, the I way love, I love that. I think the moment where it hits me the hardest is like um when she's made a at the end, she's made a mess of the laundromat. You know, she's broken the glass, she's had her big tantrum and all that. And yet yes. after all of that, she's in an existential crisis. She's at her lowest of lows. She she's you know, the police are being called, she's assaulted someone, she's broken glass. And what's what's her husband doing? He's sweeping up the glass. He's talking to the police. He's getting them to drop the charges. And and when she, when that light clicks, when that when that when that switch flips for her, it flips for you at the exact same time. Going, yeah, he's a goofball. Yeah, he's annoying. Yeah, he's not the most attractive, the coolest, whatever. But like, look how awesome this guy is. Like, just look at it. It's so. All of those things that I'm using to qual, you know, all those things that Evelyn is using to qualify him, they don't matter. They're all societal bounds. All that matters is that what he's doing for her right now is awesome, and she loves it, and she's over overwhelmed with love, and that's what matters. And it's just like euphoria. It's just yes. so beautiful. And she runs up to her daughter, and you would think that she is going to do anything she can, say anything she can out of the deepest, like most Shakespearean uh, <laughs> verbiage that she can get there as she's about to leave her again, which mirrors the earlier scene. And she says, yes, you are getting fat. Like I told yeah. you before, I believe this and all the things that she doesn't think that, that, that she doesn't agree with. And then she says, but it doesn't matter. Yep. And then there's this, this embrace and, oh, it's so great. It's so great. All right. I'll keep going. Showstopper pacing. Pacing. We talk about this so much on this show because it can make or break your 9.9 to your 7.9. Quite frankly, if you mess it up, if you add extra scenes that have no in, no real intention or no significant intention, or they just aren't paced right, either by the actors or from the director, it destroys you guess what? This movie had no problems with pacing. There is so much here that is thrown your way. I mean, it is insane that I was able to follow along this story. That is just one more, um, you know, notch in a feather in the cap for how well the Daniels wrote this and then planned it, storyboarded it perhaps, and then put it all together. You get so, again, so much information. I like to uh, reference Moulin Rouge with this because the first 30 to 45 minutes of Moulin Rouge, so much is happening that if you are not on board, you're lost and you hate that movie until you revisit it eight to 10 years later and you say, okay, let me let me focus. Maybe I'll watch the first 30 to 45 minutes five or six times and then once you have an understanding of that world, then you're good to go. What this does better than that film, which is one of my beloved films, uh, The Moulin Rouge, what this does is that you only need one take. You only need one sitting to get it. And that right there, that crunch moment to be invited into this world, to understand all of these multiverses converging and all of the different, uh, the different aspects of, uh, of Evelyn's life, of, of Wayman's life, of Joy's life, so on and so forth, even down to the individuals uh, that we see. Jamie Lee Curtis, we haven't even said her name in the chaos that she brings about in this <laughs> story. I mean, 
all of it, the pacing was spot on. They did not miss a beat. I am baffled on how that's even possible with the crazy ways they took this story with the hot dog fingers, with the everything bun, with the award, the desk award fight scene. Like it is <laughs> bonkers. Reminder, this movie is not for children, <laughs> not at all for children. But if you are an adult and, and you are uh, ready to be locked into an existential questioning of life uh, to then bring you back to a grounding and a connection of people around you, then this movie is great. Uh, I think it's really great. So the pacing wins it for me. Yeah. I think that's a good call. Uh, we, we do talk about it a lot, but man, it's, it's, it really is such a make or break. I mean, it, it, it really doesn't matter the length of a movie as long as the right things are there at the right times, you know, it, it really yes. doesn't, you know, I think so many times people, we, there's a lot of this in, in the comic book uh, film game right now, you know, a runtime gets released for a movie and people are like, Oh, it's going to suck. Oh, it's going to be awesome. You know, like it's, in, it's insane. Like I will ne- like very recently the runtime for Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness was released at two hours and six minutes and if you could have just watched the way my Twitter timeline absolutely folded over that information, being like, what? This is going to be awful over a two-hour and six-minute runtime. That means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. It's about how they use that time. That's what right. the pacing is about. And um, it's just silly. It's silly, the stuff that we get into these days where we think a runtime can tell how good a movie is going to be. Um, but this is another example. I think this one was right around two hours um, and it was paced perfectly. So you, you never really think about the time whenever you're watching a movie that's paced well. You only think about it when it's paced poorly. And this one definitely didn't fall into that category. All right, moving along to director shoes, and if we were in the Daniels, <laughs> Daniel uh, uh, Schoenert, Scheinert and Daniel's Quan, Daniel Kwan, uh, what would we change? Well, first of all, um, I would say, you know, obviously we've been kind of gushing about this movie so far, so I would say there's not a ton that I disliked about this movie, but the one thing that I think made it hard because I always want to understand every facet of everything, you know, like I just want to understand every little minutia of, of everything that I watch. And sometimes it, it leads to, it's to my detriment and I end up, um, you know, picking at a movie that's really good and I would have enjoyed it more if I just like watched the thing. Uh, but for me, it was the verse jumping, the rules around the verse jumping were, blurry and hard to track with the concept of it made sense to me and the concept of like there's all these other multiverse versions of you all of that made perfect sense and maybe that's because we've been so familiar with it in the mcu over the last uh three years or so since endgame but um the verse jumping itself how it exactly worked and what things you were able to bring back and tap into and, and what happened to the other person on the other side of the multiverse. That part was like at times a little too fuzzy and convoluted to where I could understand it perfectly. But I also think that not to be annoying with this, but I also, but I really do think that thematically that was somewhat intentional that like it's, it's everything. It's the everything widget, you know, like you can do whatever and tap into anything. And what, like, I really do think that that was, um, partially intentional, but as a, you know, just being the kind of person that I am, this is a very personal nitpick. I would have loved to like have the exact rules spelled out and then applied throughout. And like, maybe even one of the rules like comes back with a loophole at the end or something like that could have been cool. But, um, I spent so much time the first like 30 minutes when the verse jumping was going on trying to be like, okay, well this time she did this and how did that work? And she was able to get this and then that person did that. Like it was, it was stupid. Um, but that, that honestly is, is very nitpicky and was really the only thing that I could think to poke at. And the only thing that I left the movie with like a half question mark about. Well, you're spot on Cam, because I also had some questions about the verse jumping. Thank you. In the fact that 
we spend a lot of time, uh, we have a, a little bit of time being curious about the, the verse jumping and the jump points and the, the origins of why, why does he know exactly what to do from the little voices? Like where, where do these things come from? How do they download that information of exactly? Yeah. Go ahead and, um, get the hand sanitizer and rub your eyes or eat the chapstick. Right. Um, and then, then, I, then I'm bought in. I'm like, I don't care anymore. Let's let's see this happen. Like, look at the antics that they do that make sense. Do something that for no reason would you do at this very moment. And then you can tap into, zip, 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 you know, the connect the dots uh, universe of yourself. But then we spend so much time showing them accessing these in a, a just absolute calamity uh, of of not of nonsense and and actions to get themselves there then it just falls off the face of the planet and then we don't even see really see them do them anymore or it's happening so quickly that um as if they've already downloaded the information to the version of themselves that we are following or yeah or it's or it's in the background and there's so much going on that you can't watch them stab themselves in the hand with uh, or you know with a stapler to the forehead like Jamie <laughs> Jamie Lee yeah. Curtis um, and then at the same time it makes sense as the story is going along as their characters are evolving that it doesn't matter anymore that they are able to learn these things it's just like the first time you ever uh, trying to ride a bike, right? It takes a long time. And then all of a sudden you can just grab a bike and go or, or whatever, just name whatever thing that requires a lot of time. And then you do it repetitively enough that you just know how to do it with like it's second nature, you know, reading, <laughs> uh, uh, whatever, eating, going to the bathroom, whatever it might be, <laughs> these things, it, it, they just, the questions and the nitpickiness that I have in the entire circle of this story, you can, it, immediately debate it back and say well you're answering your question with your problem which is kind of brilliant daniels so bravo exactly yeah it's uh it's one of those things man it's like it's like am i only doing this to myself <laughs> you know is, yeah. is it, i i sometimes wonder like am i the only one having this thought and what is wrong with me um this is one of the one of those moments but i'm glad to see that you were on the same page but i think that's because you and i have a very similar like we want to understand everything and i i know that you and i like back in the day we would leave a movie theater and immediately be like hey did you get this part <laughs> you know because you want to like you don't want to digest the movie until you feel like you understand every exact piece of it. And uh, right. maybe we're being punished here. We're, we're the, we're the a students who are like the teachers like, listen, don't worry about the grade, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just like chill out. <laughs> let's do something exactly. creative. Let's, let's, uh, let's just like enjoy it for once. And you're like, no, I have to know exactly what happened. <laughs> If you check out Jamie Lee Curtis in the poster, like that's me and Cam walking out like <laughs> hands over heads, like, wait a second. If you. <laughs> yeah. Overanalyzing everything to oblivion for sure. All right. Well, that's uh that's our thoughts. Let's get into final thoughts and scores for this movie. Um, there's this old, there's this old marketing term um, that I learned in, in undergrad. And I don't even know if people, use it still or ever used it, but it's, it's a term that I learned and, and I, I found it good for so many analogies. And it, and it came back to me again when I thought of this movie, this, I, this concept of an aperture point. Um, and in marketing, the, what that means is that an ad find when ad or, or a piece of marketing finds a consumer at the exact right place at the exact right time, boom, right on the money, the consumer sees it and they immediately go, that's what I need. You know, that's, this is what I needed to see to help me make a purchase decision, right? Every once in a while that happens with a movie in a different way where a movie just meets you exactly where you're at in life and just levels you with, with its themes and just, you know, you almost, it's, it's, it's almost spiritual the way that it, it can awaken things within you. And that, and that's exactly how I felt with this movie. So, for personal context, the the night that I saw this movie, I was feeling extremely overwhelmed with just everything that was going on. And it, was, and it wasn't one particular thing. You know how that is? Like sometimes you just feel overwhelmed and it doesn't have to be because work is stressful or whatever. It's just 
the the sum of the parts and whatever's going on with your mental health, etc. And when we left my parents' house on Sunday night, I turned to my wife and I said, I'm going to do something I never do. I'm going to take a mental health day from work. I'm just going to take a Monday off just to clear my thoughts. And tonight I'm going to go to the movies and I'm going to see this movie. And I had no idea what this movie was about at all. And when it started and I realized that it was about someone having an existential crisis, someone who's feeling overwhelmed, I went, oh no, this is going to be bad for me. But in the end, what happened was this movie absolutely brought me to my knees. I mean, just destroyed me, broke me down and built me right back up. I mean, it just totally filled my tank in every possible way. And it was... It was me and one other guy in the theater who had to be a cinephile as well. One other dude who was sitting 10 rows in front of me. And at the end of this movie, I was sobbing. <laughs> Just broken in this movie theater. And I don't know you know, if, if the other guy noticed, but I was just like, what a thing that I just watched. And so the personal context matters because, you know, I'm I'm suspect I, I am definitely um influenced by recency bias i'm definitely influenced by the personal circumstances but with that being said for all of the reasons that i mentioned earlier i really do feel like this is a remarkable piece of film something that is truly different from things that we see very often and kirk and i watch a ton of movies and this is one that just immediately when you see it it sticks out and you go that is something you know i I don't know exactly what it is but there's something different about that movie something that makes it iconic, something that makes it just click with you in a way that movies don't always do. Um, and, and it was just so human and so personable in so many ways that I, I was I was shocked. Um, so for all those reasons, I'm giving it what I think is an incredibly high score, a 9.7 out of 10 kernels for everything, everywhere, all at once. And uh, if you haven't seen it, I mean, you now know you're now, you're probably like, if you haven't seen it and you just listened to that, you're like, what is this movie? But you, you should, and it, you know, see what it does for you. And, and maybe, you know, maybe it's user specific or, or whatever. But uh, for me, it was pretty powerful stuff. Um, and, and not in like the, histor- the way historical films are powerful or anything like that, but just like a really powerful emotional journey of a movie and and i loved it beautiful beautiful i feel like i need to open up with an old <laughs> an old um that's right you know balls uh, in your court an old hymn or <laughs> an old an old uh parable or something a parable you know when you're when your pants when you wear your pants inside out every uh-huh. day except for one then one might call you a sociopath. It's the sociopath point is what yes. brought me to this movie. The aperture point. How brilliant. I don't, I, I, like- I bet that's, I, I mean, I went to state school, so I, <laughs> that's probably like not even a real marketing term, but I, I, cause I've never heard it since, but I remember it sticking with me. Well, I thought that was beautiful and I want to mark this moment in time and, because that was just excellent. Um, this movie um, was very unexpected for me as well. I, I w- very different experiences. I'll tell you what. Let me tell you briefly about my experience <laughs> about this movie. I booked my seat on a five dollar Tuesday for this movie, and the theater was sold out. It was sold out on on paper, and then when I got there. Uh, it was only 50% occupied because people would decide like, nah, I bought a $5 ticket. I don't ha- actually have to go. Oh, wow. So, which is still bonkers to me. And so I'm sitting in my seat and these two teenage girls walk up and they say, hey, would you mind moving over? Um, we want to sit together. I'm like, oh, well, actually I saw, I saw that the theater was sold out. They're like, no, I bought two extra seats because we couldn't originally get to it. And I'm like, okay. What? Who does this? does this she bought two extra tickets effectively spending twenty dollars on her tickets uh in order to get sat next to her friend so i'm immediately confused i already knew that you saw this with one other person i'm like 
this mood, I'm not going to have a good experience. I'm now sitting next to the person who has convinced me to move out of my assigned seat. I'm a rule follower. So if she lied to me, then someone else is going to come up and be like, hey, man, get out of my seat. And she is now resting comfortably in the seat that I was once keeping warm. And what am I going to do? Say, hey, get out of my seat. No, I was panicked, panicked until the until I saw people stop coming into the movie. That was my experience. Wow. Nightmare <laughs> scenario, frankly. Nightmare bonkers. scenario. I mean, worse things can happen. They absolutely can. So I'm automatically thinking to myself, I'm not going to like this movie as much as Cam because I'm I'm horrified that I'm going to be thrown out by the movie theater because they, they thought I was just seat jumping. Uh, and turns out I was wrong. Uh, I, I, everything disappeared for me. The audience disappeared. Um, quite frankly, it was a great audience. They were laughing, uh, like uproarious laughter when, when all was appropriate. And then you hit that, that, uh, almost the, the 75% mark, even though there's still prominent moments, there's still dramatic moments throughout. But then like everyone was, that theater was quiet the final <laughs> quarter of, of this film. Um, I mean, when when the title came up as part three all at once, I mean, there was almost like a collective really quiet, ooh, <laughs> across. Even though we knew it was coming, right? Part one, part two, part three, uh, as they played it out for us. I mean, everyone was so locked in in that movie. And then at the same time, at the end, I could hear people whispering like, what did I just watch? Like, <laughs> not, not out of disdain, but out of, I think my life just changed much like uh, your experience. And I think that everyone is going to have a pretty big reaction to this. I, albeit, I think it's all going to be positive. Um, but I was just very also moved by this film. I didn't think that was possible with all the antics involved. I didn't think that it was uh, going to um, reshape me or help me learn something. And I was completely wrong. Uh, I am just fascinated with this movie. I'm excited to own it and watch it multiple times to see what I get out of it at a different point in my life even. And I really do think that this the the experience that this provided in a theater or if you're if you end up only watching it at home will be unmatched and completely unique like many other films before it. Some people are comparing this to like Pulp Fiction. There's no other movie mm. out there like Pulp Fiction. When you saw that in theaters, you hadn't seen anything like it. And to this day, you haven't seen any, anything like it since. Um, you've seen styles and, and a couple of things trying to mimic it or uh, pay pay homage to it. But you never see that again. And we will never see this again. And never have we seen it before. So with all that said, I am shocked that my score is ever so slightly higher than yours, Cam. Um, because I, I am really in love with this movie and, and in love with the with the concept of it and the only reason that it doesn't hold the all-time only 10 score from both of us which was spider-man no way home was because of those small small issues even though it was really otherwise wonderful and who knows again i keep talking about uh, retconning scores one day and maybe we'll come back and <laughs> change them all we'll change all the numbers but today, this gets a 9.8 out of 10 kernels for me. Oh. Everything, everywhere, all at once. I just priced as right, right at you. Just yeah, there. $1, Bob. Um, <laughs> well done. But yeah, I mean, I think, listen, people will, I've already seen this a lot on film Twitter, so I, I, I have been wanting to address it because I am annoyed by the way people are handling this. But I've seen people antagonizing people for their perfect scores for Spider-Man No Way Home because they're like, well, this isn't perfect and this isn't perfect. A, a perfect score doesn't mean that the film's perfect because it's a personal score. So like right. when you give something a 10, at least this is how I view it, it's not like, yes, you can give a film a high score because you, even if you didn't personally like it because you can, you can understand the technical achievement. In this case, with Spider-Man, I think both of us were like, we will never forget seeing this. We will never, like, we didn't think stuff like this could be done in cinema. What a cinematic achievement. And then on top of that, it also had good acting and a good story and was powerful. Like, 
that's why it gets a 10. It's not because it's a perfect film. Like, obviously it's not, but, um, yeah. So, and, and that's the thing too, is like, just because you give scoring films is an interesting thing because it's like, just because you give something a 9.7 and you give something else a 10 doesn't mean that this is automatically a worse movie. It just means that personally for different reasons, you gave them different scores and, and it's really hard to compare. Like how would you ever compare this to Spider-Man? No way home. You can't, um, in some ways, sure. But in other ways, impossible. So, yeah. And I mean, if you really wanted us to go into it, we could have an eight hour episode where we watch (laughs) this thing back and we pause it and we say, this right here is one of the point. (laughs) zero 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 two reasons that affected my 9.7 and nine painting score that I didn't want to bore you with. Right. And that's, that's where the subjectivity comes in and the collective uh, just like rounding, if you will, uh, to where it needs to go. Absolutely. And that's what makes opinions fun. Opinions are fun because they're, (laughs) they too are imperfect and completely subjective. And that's what makes it awesome. Um, However, they are perfect to your (laughs) self. That's right. Oh man, what what an interesting thing! Film Twitter, man, I got to stay off film Twitter. They pollute my mind sometimes. Yeah. Those guys, but Kirk and I had Mom glowing reviews. Said, <laughs> Mom always said film Twitter was the devil. <laughs> For real, dude. Or Twitter, you could have just said Twitter. To be honest, is the devil <laughs> because it pollutes my minds in my mind in many ways. Uh, but you and I both have glowing reviews for this movie. If you've agreed with us in the past on things, if you if you listen to this podcast because of that, then we cannot recommend enough that you see this at your earliest convenience. I'm sure it will come to digital and home video, you know, very soon. Those things seem to come fast these days, so I'm sure it will be there. Also, if you did see the movie and you want your own pair of hot dog finger gloves, they can be purchased on the A24 store. That's a real sure. thing. No, I swear. Um, you can oh buy God. them. Even though every single hot dog finger scene was completely gag inducing for me, yes. especially when they were shoving them in each other's mouths, I was and completely horrified. The hot dog fingers were able to shoot out ketchup and mustard. <laughs> it was horrific at <laughs> times. It was it was very questionable at times. Um, mm. uh, and no, if you have hot dog fingers, you don't have hot dog toes. The, their toes are fine. It's just the fingers. That's um, right. Because. Yeah, and uh, so you can own those. A24 shop has them. Uh, I'm going to probably have to get myself a pair, to be honest. But everything, everywhere, all at once, all at once. Oh, my gosh, man. I cannot talk tonight. But You can do it. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you guys saw the movie. We hope you enjoyed the movie. If you didn't, let us know. If you did, let us know. We loved we love opinions. We just talked about that. Um, and there are lots of ways to reach us. You can reach us on all of our social media Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we have a website. We have an email. It's all in the in the descriptions. We have Discord. You can join our community there. Um, so we're not hard to reach, and we'd love to talk to you about it. So hit us up. But until next time, we will leave you with the symphonic tones of the original music by Rhetoric, as well as giving a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs. As always, we will catch you guys next time. Talk to you then.